0: Hello, hey, this is Sasha. Um, It's been a while. I actually just took a look at when was the last episode released. It was May 2020. It's almost been a a year. Time really does fly. And guess what happened since we last spoke? I gave birth to my son, baby Eli, became a mother, and I finally made a change to this podcast. Which is turning into bang 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 biweekly newsletter. the podcast will still remain the same and think it as one slice of a cake, so now I'm giving you a whole cake with its all its glory. uh, you know what I realize, um, I just feel like I couldn't just do one thing. I get bored very easily if I continue doing this one thing, I would just end up giving it up out of boredom. Um, I I can't do that to Dear Seekers. I love this podcast so much. I love the conversations I have with the women who inspire me. So by now knowing me uh, as someone who gets e- be easily bored, um, I need to come up with a solution to keep this project alive. And uh, so what is this newsletter about, you ask? Well, Um, it's like, you know, like dear, like writing a letter, dear you, dear Sasha, in this case, dear seekers. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm having so much fun about this. So it's like me writing a letter to you. Do you get it? Um, well, sometimes it's a voice letter. Sometimes actually it's letter with words. Um, so you can expect, um, usually, the letter will be in your inbox every other Sunday morning because it's bi-weekly. Well, sometimes if I really have a brain freeze, I cannot squeeze anything out of it, um, then you might not get any letter from me. But most likely, it will be every other Sunday morning. And if you actually miss me and wanted to get in touch, you always can just reply. Oh, did I mention we are actually now on Substack? It's a platform that, um, Wow, I don't even know how to summarize it. I guess it's like a a platform that enables writers, podcasters to really reach out to their readers, audiences directly. Um, Because, you know, for the past two years, um, I produced and hosted Dear Seekers. A lot of times I really didn't know who you are um other than you know have some conversations on instagram dms and sometimes you would email me to let me know you enjoy the podcast which i forever grateful but most of the times i just kind of feel like i'm recording something and i just shoot it in the universe and there's a, not a lot of stats about who are the listeners so sometimes i get a little bit uninspired because i feel like there's not a lot of um receiving end that is visible to me, to motivate me to keep going. So anyway, I just feel like Substack will be a very intimate platform um, moving forward. And this project will be more so like an experiment. So I wouldn't exactly know what's going to happen. And which is very exciting and very new to me because as someone who has always been into packaging goods, wrap it with a bow, deliver to you uh, when I feel like it's almost perfect. Now I'm actually giving you a more raw and intimate project. I don't even have the idea where it's heading. And it's the first time in life that I'm doing it, which is, to be honest, scary, but more so exciting. I think Become a Mother has taught me that I'm really have no control over so many things. I can't control if I get four hours sleep or six hours sleep. I cannot control when I go to the washroom. (laughs) I know all these very basic human needs things that I even don't have control of. So... Yeah, it's gonna be a very in- interesting kind of like experiment. So we'll see how it goes. If you want to be part of it, uh, I know some of you already were seeker supply subscriber. I kind of just transfer you to Substack, and you have already received um, two letters from me. First was introduction, second was our official letter. And uh, if you haven't subscribed yet, you can just head to the Instagram, there's a link directly to the Substack link. Um, I haven't even updated the website yet. So it takes time. We will get there. I'm really, really excited about this project because I feel like it's just so raw and intimate. And um, I'm happy that you are willing to be part of this. I'm really, really hoping that we can connect on a more personal and intimate level. And if this is not for you, you feel like you still want to just be, you know, listening to a podcast, and uh, I totally understand, you don't have to subscribe, you can still read it on Substack every other Sunday morning, and sometimes you can still listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, that's still fine, we are still friends, um... But uh, if you actually want to be part of this, you can sign up. And then I think that'll be more exciting that way. All right. Um, and so since we're here already, uh, I'm going to actually record the the letter I sent out for the second letter I sent out. It took me a long time to write it. Um, I finished it probably around 10, 12 naps of Eli's. When he naps, I will actually get some time to write. So it took a while to form my thoughts, um, write it down, and edit them, and or and finally put them together. I'm actually going to read it to you now if you haven't read it through the newsletter. I would say this essay is definitely one of the most raw, intimate, and vulnerable essays I've ever written. It took so much out of me and also did so much for me because it was a letter that I needed to write um I had so much feelings and thoughts that piling inside of me that was pulling out uncontrollably um if I didn't write it I think I would just explode some way so I had to write it and just like many writers you know when we have some unsettled feelings and unresolved feelings and and thoughts couldn't, you know, puzzle together, writing it through something, an art, article, an essay, a diary, is a way to kind of puzzle them together, untangle them. Yeah, so that's how the process came about. And uh, as now I'm going to read it to you. I really hope you enjoy it it's kind of different than when I was writing it because the feelings are already packed, right? Like it's, I don't feel these feelings as strongly as before when I was writing it. So now it's kind of like reading it as actually a reader. And I feel so much for this woman. She was feeling so much deeply and uncontrollably in a sense. So I will read it to you. I hope, uh, I hope I I'll deliver well And uh, enjoy. It wasn't love at first sight. With my baby, with motherhood. During my pregnancy, I subconsciously chose not to be too attached to this fetus. My body was nurturing. I thought of it as a coping mechanism for the quote-unquote what-ifs. All-in-all, miscarriage happens to one in five women. But now I think it was more so because of the many losses I had experienced in my life. My parents got divorced when I was two. I lost my mother at 14. Got kicked out by my stepdad at 15. I had acquired ability to detach easily when needed. However this ability is like a cartilage. It's strong because it's flexibility and adaptability. Yet it's also super tender and weak. And that's why this ability scared me. What if I don't have the connection with my baby? I became quite obsessed with the arrival of Eli. I wanted to meet him, to love him, but more importantly, I wanted the confirmation to prove my ability to love, connect with my own son, instantly and unconditionally. When I was carrying Eli in my womb, my husband's sister-in-law was also pregnant with her baby boy. Two days after her son was born, we paid a visit. I was extremely pregnant at that point. Eli was coming out any second. It's like I had known him already, you know, all along. She described the instant connection with such joy. It sounded so poetic and beautiful to me. But as much as it brought me even more anticipation, it also came with its side effects, which was doubts. Doubts about if I will be able to form love like this rapidly enough. Enough for what? I did not know. The anticipation led me to social media. I was engaging quite relentlessly with baby content on Instagram, so the app wouldn't leave me alone. As a social media strategist, I should have known better, but I didn't. It continued feeding me loads of content regarding motherhood, especially images of mothers meeting their babies for the very first time, whether it was in a water tub or on a hospital bed. One thing was almost always identical, the overwhelming joy, the tears, the heart-stopping moment. I ate them all up. The more I consumed this type of content, the higher my expectation was building up. I was craving for it like a teenager craving to savor their first taste of alcohol. On July 21st, after fairly smooth and short delivery, Eli was born. He was put to lay on my chest, skin to skin. And I felt nothing. Nothing like expected, anyway. No roses dropping from the sky. No time freezing in slow motion, no heart pounding like it was going to explode, no tears dripping down my face. Instead, I feel like meeting a stranger on a blind date who I didn't even feel the connection with. And immediately, the guilt, the shame, the confusion kicked in. See, I knew it. You don't have the ability to love your own child. There is no connection between you two. You are not meant to be a mother. I wanted these thoughts to go away badly, yet needed them to stay so I can be punished for who I am. Two days later, we brought Eli home from the hospital. There is one giant mirror on the wall in the hallway. I suggested to us, the three of us, to document this special moment with a selfie. As a souvenir, a piece of evidence, a digital memory. Just as I pressed the button on my phone, Stephen, my husband, commented, You're beautiful. You look very much like a mom now. Although I was sure it was a compliment, I didn't take it the way it was meant to be received. The thought of not falling in love with my son at the very first sight was stood there haunting me, bluntly and brutally. So I look like a mom now. What does that even mean? like look more mature, meaning I have aged overnight? Does my postpartum body give it all the way? Other were some worry lines added to my face? How could I look like a mom now when I didn't even feel like one? What do you mean? I asked with a tone that was obviously offended. It caught him off guard. He didn't expect a question at all, I can tell. Like he was charged with a crime he never remembered committing to, but because the prosecutor sounded so convincing that he had no choice but believing maybe he did. I mean, you act like a mom now. He got nervous, but his answer didn't really put me into ease. Instead, it got me even more deepened into my doubts. How should a mom supposed to act? Anyway, let's go. I wrap up this awkward conversation and dragged my exhausted body away from the scene. One week has passed, two weeks have gone by, a month has flew by. The thought that I didn't fall in love with my baby at very first was omnipresent. It made me doubt my own ability to love, to attach, to be a mother. I was scared of the monster that may exist inside of me. One day, we got a sleep monitor to watch Eli when he naps. The black and white image, the grainy footage, the futuristic pixels, on the most appealing. It looks like he's laying down in a coffin, Stephen jokes. At that moment, I instantly felt muscle cramp, my heartbeat fastened. The thought of him in a coffin swept me off the ground by the hurricane. Fast and fierce. I started howling. Tears started coming down like a storm. I couldn't stop. My mind rushed to the darkest space, as fast as lightning. I was, I was just joking. I'm sorry. He was shocked by how a little joke had made such a big impact. My body started shivering, started to shrink. I had to hold on to the kitchen counter for support. The thought of him in a coffin kept coming back, then immediately shut down by my mind, again and again push and pull, excruciating. I felt for the first time what it was like to lose someone so ingrained to every part of my cells, like losing oxygen. A thought could have eaten me alive. An hour later, when I finally calmed down, my rational side kicked in as a savior, I realized how much I love Eli. To a point, I would not hesitate to give up my own life for him. Anything for him. It was that moment I realized two things. One, not every mother's experience is the same. Some bond with their babies instantly. Some take time to garner this relationship. Two, Despite the fact that I didn't feel the attachment with him right off the bat, I would still do or give up anything for him. And that is unconditional love. I didn't fall in love with my baby at first sight because I already loved him before we met. Alright, thank you so much for listening to my story. Um, I think next Sunday will be our third letter and actually I will also release an episode which um, is a conversation I had with an amazing woman. We talked so much about creative process, um, creative wintering, which is just as important as creative spring, um, which was definitely a conversation that I needed during this time um, especially as I took one year off to nurture my creative winter. <laughs> I didn't know that what that was, um, until this guest put that into words, which is amazing. So anyway, I hope you will enjoy the next conversation. And I also uh, have been working on a letter to send out as well. So anyway, uh, I will see you soon then. Thank you. Bye bye.